Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 32. I'm Michael John Simpson. After a week off, our guest is friend of the podcast and sometimes co-host, Kitty Brown. This week is a super media-centric episode jam-packed with nerdy gushings about Star Wars, George Lucas, Star Wars canon versus expanded universe, Knights of the Old Republic, Dark Empire, diversity versus uniformity in nerd culture, female superheroes, Agent Carter, X-Men, Kingsman the Secret Service, Avengers Age of Ultron, X-Men Days of Future Past, Wolverine, Ellen Page, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and the A Song of Ice and Fire TV show versus the books. Know your value. Here's episode 32 of the Something Something Experience. That whole like I should feel my feels thing at the time the season came out. And I'm There's like, nothing wrong with this feeling is feels. Speaking to me. So happy mm-hmm. late birthday, anyway. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so what were we? We were just mm-hmm. talking about um, Star Wars, Star Wars, and, and Wonder Joseph Woman, Campbell's and women. Okay, yeah. So, so back to Star Wars. So, so Star <laughs> Wars. Yeah, Joseph Campbell sp- meets space opera, but also meets. Like Zen Buddhism, yeah. Like Zen Bu- Zen Buddhist mythology mm-hmm. of you know, because I mean that's all the Force really is, right? Well, it was originally yeah. was well, just. Well, you can this... tell like he based a lot on uh, Seven Samurai. Yeah, like, yeah Even exactly. in the Jedi outfits, yeah, it's like yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, but it's yeah, and it's but going back to what we were talking about with the 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 prequels, and you you had so you had a friend who's like denouncing completely. Only the four, five, and six were yeah. canon, and uh, he, nothing he else. He calls was... himself an Orthodox Jedi, which you know that's. Does he have chaos on his lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, apologies to to Orthodox Jews that might be listening. Um, just not on Saturday. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so episodes one, two, and three weren't written great. Mm-hmm. There was nobody. No, there was no checks and balance with Lucas to say, "Hey, this is kind right. of kind of lame." Well, I think the thing with the first um, four, five, and six Star Wars movies is Lucas listened to the people around him, and that made the movies so much well, stronger. Right. I mean, and he, with the prequels, he wrote and directed wrote and directed four, but mm-hmm. five and six were Kirshner and and. Uh, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the name too. Shit. I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, late night birthday celebration. Um, yep. <laughs> the Kasdan. Yes. So it's Kasdan directing and Kirshner writing, mm-hmm. and to, you, with with his story. Right. So now the, the overarching story of one, two, and three ties in mostly loosely mm-hmm. with four, five, and six. Right. Minus a few continuity errors, but the story is good, and and that, that tells you mm-hmm. how the empire came into being and what it was. It was your typical big political blah 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 right. blah blah. Fine. But with one, two, and three, Lucas was just like, I'm George Lucas, so fuck everyone who tries to tell me what to do, and that's why those movies sucked like right. he didn't listen to anyone around right. him whereas with he's the originals good, he's he a did. good story comer upper with her but not <laughs> a necess- good universe creator yeah good universe creator but not necessarily the greatest writer director i mm-hmm. mean one one exception to that Obviously, the first Star Wars was really good, mm-hmm. but not the best of them. Right. It was amazing, but not the best of them. I mean, I think we all agree Empire Strikes Empire Back is the end-all, be-all, hands-down right. of, of everything thus far. We may be surprised. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, the trailer looks good. But, oh, my God. <laughs> but one exception to all of that, of him writing and directing, is 
uh, American Graffiti. That movie mm-hmm. is pretty damn near perfect. I mean, that's a real. I, I would say out of the movies that he's written and directed, George Lucas. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's the best. Right. It's the best story. It's the best characters. It's the best. I mean, it really is just a character study. Mm-hmm. It really is just a, a, a like a like a peer in the microscope of this little town. And also Harrison Ford. Well, Harrison Ford <laughs> and, and Dreyfus and and Ron Howard and Cindy Williams and, and mm-hmm. just all these different people. I mean, did you ever see? Um, did you ever see American Graffiti again or whatever the second one was called? Mm-mm. It wasn't written and directed by Lucas, but it had all the same no. characters. And it was like 10 years in the future. Ron Howard and Cindy Williams are married and on the verge of divorce. And, <laughs> and they're like with college stuff now. They're not mm-hmm. in high school anymore. They're in college or getting ready to graduate. And there's the Vietnam War stuff happening mm-hmm. and this and that. Yeah. And it kind of was a little bit more teenage rompy kind of Mm -hmm. 80s teenage rompy thing it had a little bit of raunchiness in it and this and that but it was um yeah it wasn't good yeah i saw it in the theater i didn't see the first one i saw the second one yeah i mean the thing with the the star wars extended universe like i was saying Mm -hmm. earlier is it fleshes out um a lot of the backstory of the sith and like their mystical agreement with the force and everything And for me, like, growing up, that was what I craved. Like, as a kid, sure, it's fine to just have bad guys who are bad because bad. Like, that works when you're, you know, a five-year-old. But as I got older, like, I wanted to find out the motives behind the Sith and, like, how they viewed the Force and, you know, like, what the Empire is trying to do. Because nobody in their own narrative, sees themselves as a bad guy. Like, everybody always thinks that, you know, they're they're doing... doing Yeah, they always think that what they're doing is right, even if it's, you know, kind of done in a bad way. They're like, oh, well, the ends will justify the means. I'm doing this for the greater good. And that's what I wanted from, you know, Star Wars and and everything. So, like, games like Knights of the Old Republic, the Sith Lords, a lot of um, the Star Wars comics and the books in the extended universe did fill that gap for me and made the story so much more well-rounded. Right. And, you know, like, I know Disney just threw out everything in the extended universe. They're like, oh, it's no longer canon. And I'm like, well, you guys have some giant holes to fill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll... Maybe in, in... In... You know, doing the new the new sequels, mm-hmm. maybe they'll fill in some back, or maybe yeah. they'll just move forward, or who knows? But I mean, I mean, I so f- far everything I'm seeing made it made me really, really happy. Oh my god, I felt like a kid on Christmas. Yeah, like, that Thursday when the trailer dropped, I did not do anything productive. I just watched the trailer and grabbed my German longsword and started practicing my moves while making lightsaber noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and and for those of you who don't know, the the new lightsaber looks exactly like a German longsword, like with the crossbar and everything. Um, And I started doing, you know, German longsword in 2012 before they released the lightsaber because I'm just that much of a Sith Lord. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, have you seen the uh, have you seen the supercut of the two teasers? Yes, that's really great. Yeah, that's really great. I feel like they might be pulling some stuff from the extended universe from the new movie because um, the new Sith Lord, I think his name is Kylo Ren. He looks almost exactly like Darth Revan from uh, 
Knights of the Old Republic, the Sith Lords. Like, as soon as they showed his face in the second trailer and the mask, I'm like, that's Revan! Oh my god, that looks exactly like Revan! So, hopefully they're drawing inspiration from the extended universe and, like, putting a little bit of stuff back in just for that fan familiarity. Sure. But, oh my gosh, I just want to be in, like, cryogenic sleep until, you know, it's December and the movie is out. Like... I can bypass the rest of the year. Just, you know, wake me up when it's Star Wars time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's coming out at Christmas this year. I mean, this is going to be a busy holiday season. We got the new Bond mm-hmm. in November, which I'm really super looking forward to. Yeah. And Star Wars is in December. There's something else that's this fall, too, and I don't remember now. But well, I mean, Avengers Age of Ultron is coming weeks. out. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks. Which, I mean... I like those movies a lot, but because I don't have an emotional attachment to the comics, mm-hmm. it's not as big of a pull for me. But yeah. but the fact that you got you got Mark Hamill doing the narration in the trailer, and mm-hmm. you got and then you got Han and Chewie at the end, and it's just like <laughs> oh, it just pulled at those heartstrings so much. I feel like Han Solo, um, and somebody posted this on my Facebook, like you know, Han Solo is like the absentee dad, like he's gone forever, and you hate him, and then as soon as he comes back, it's like all is forgiven, and I love you. Well, I can't, but that's the thing, though. I mean, I'm hoping that for the sake of Drama and quote unquote rich storytelling. They're not mm-hmm. going to do something where I mean, where Han, you know, turned out to be a dick dad or dick husband, mm-hmm. and, and you know, fucked off after whatever <laughs> after the kids were born. Han and mm-hmm. Leia's kids were born. I I don't know if they're going to be sticking with Han and Leia's having twins and like they did yeah. with the Dark Horse Dark Empire series, right, right. where it was like basically, you know. Luke teaches Leah how to use the Force and mm-hmm. how to be a Jedi, and then then Han and Leah have twins, and they treat mm-hmm. they, so basically it turns out with Han with with Leah, Luke, and the twins basically resurrecting the Jedi, right? And then you know recruiting other people, and then um, and then but then the Emperor, Emperor comes back and blah blah blah. But we're mm-hmm. gonna we'll have to see what happens and blah blah blah. But it's um, I don't know, it, I haven't followed along enough in a lot of the other extended universe and mm-hmm. video games and things like that. I did yeah. play what was the game where you play a Sith like Darth Vader's apprentice um I know which one you're talking there's about. There's two of them. Dark yeah. dark something anyway, but it was the mm-hmm. two those two video games. Yeah. Were oh, Force Un- no, Force Unleashed? No, what was no. it? What was it? Anyway, <laughs> somebody's screaming at the at me right now. This is um, what happens when we do a podcast after yeah. a late night birthday yeah, celebration. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but, um, I played a little bit in that, but that was more just Darth Vader telling you go out and do this and go out mm-hmm. and do that, and that was a, an interesting um, that was an interesting game. But I never yeah. played the second one of that series, mm-hmm. and then but I never played uh, you know the the T O R or uh, um, not T O R. God damn it. Uh, what was the Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah, yeah, I never played that, and um, mm. um, I highly recommend it. It's on Steam for like ten bucks, both yeah. of them. Um, like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Sith Lords because it gets. But into wasn't that a, an MMORPG? Um, no, it's like a person player. I'm, I'm not single player. Yes, thank okay. you. Because <laughs> I don't yeah. do. A, I don't know. What, I don't do. MMORPGs. I yeah, well, like, the Sith Lords, it's like... I don't like playing um, with others. The, the whole story is, you know, 
there's the Mandalorian Wars, and the Jedi Council is like, well, we're not going to participate, and, like, people are dying everywhere, and a lot of the Jedi are like, this is fucked up, like, we have to do something, and, you know, the Jedi Council is like, no, we can't get involved, and so then, like, the main character is like, well, fuck this, I have to do what's right, and he and a bunch of other Jedi start participating in the Mandalorian Wars, they get kicked out of the Jedi Order for, you know, disobeying the Council, and then that's kind of, like, where things pick up. So there's all these, like, rogue Jedi who are like, now what do we do? And they turn to the dark side of the Force. But even from the beginning of that game, I love that it shows that the Jedi Order is not infallible. No. Like, they make mistakes. And I think that was one thing we learned. That was the thing in in Episodes 1, 2, and 3, was Mm -hmm. that even though the Jedi Council preached this and that and this, they mm-hmm. were still pretty ego-driven. Yeah. I mean, they were really kind of high and mighty high mm-hmm. horse, and, and not to say that they deserved to get their asses handed to them or deserved to get murdered completely mm-hmm. by the Sith, but they really were just kind of high-handed about everything. And it was just right. like, you know, it's like, come on. I mean, it's like... Yeah. They took themselves way, way too, too seriously. seriously. <laughs> Especially if you've got, you know, like a Sith thing going on, you know. Mm-hmm. But so Knights of the Old Republic takes place, I'm assuming, before episodes yeah. one, two, and yeah. three. Yeah. It's like I think a thousand years in the past or something mm. like that. A couple hundred, I don't know. Maybe the old Republic. <laughs> yeah, the old Republic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, what I love is like, you know, they get into the Sith Creed, and, like, they kind of break it down. Like, you know, the first part is peace is a lie, there's only passion. And that comes from, um, they get into this in the game a little, or is it from the books? I can't remember. But um, the sort of Sith way, like, you know, think of it as, like, the left-hand path. Um, The Sith believe that peace, quote-unquote, is stagnation, you know, and the only way to grow and evolve and become better, well, is through conflict like Mm. you can only evolve you can only like adapt you can only grow as a person if there's you know conflict motivating you so that's the whole piece is a lie and the part where they're like there's only passion the jedi serve to like pretend that they don't have any right yeah no emotion no passion no attachment they pretend it doesn't exist and so the sith very buddhist yeah you know exactly this moment and so the sith see that as the jedi denying their true nature so rather than denying you know their nature altogether and pretending that passion doesn't exist they're like let's embrace our passion let's refine it let's perfect it and then we can do whatever we want. Again, like... Unfortunately, th- that usually means that they're fucking shit up and killing people. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, not not all Sith. Right, hashtag. Right, right, right. <laughs> not all Sith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I'm, I'm an occultist. Um, so for me, it was really easy to understand, like, the Sith ethos is, like, a lot of stuff that Crowley talks about. Like, finding your true will and perfecting it and then doing whatever it is that, you know, you need to do on this planet. And I kind of think of the Sith as, like, the left-hand path, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. So it's not, like, super evil and all that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's it's the thing of love versus passion. And passion Mm -hmm. is much more uh, you know, uh, internal and central and individualistic. And love is much more universal and outwardly Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> some people would say, you know, giving versus taking or, or you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I think, but that's the thing is, is there was, that's the thing is, is 
the the whole prophecy with Anakin Skywalker and you know and, mm-hmm. and Mace Windu and talking about the, the 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 one who would bring balance to the Force. Right. To me, balance to the Force means dead center between light and dark, right. and embracing of both. Because one can't exist without right. the other. And Anakin wasn't it. Anakin mm-hmm. was not that balance. He was you know someone who started on the on on uh, you know on the mm-hmm. side of of. The Jedi and right. to Sith, the person who was the true balance of the Force was Luke. Well, one could argue that by Anakin coming back um, in Return of the Jedi and helping Luke kill the Emperor, he yeah. did help bring that balance yeah, to the Force. He did. He know? did. He did. But but Luke was the one who who truly embraced light and dark. Yeah, and was able to able to use his anger. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, able to use his passion, mm-hmm. but keep it in check and balance it between right. committing an angry act for the betterment of all, mm-hmm. bringing down, i.e., bringing down the Emperor. Yeah. That to me, to <laughs> me, the whole prophecy of the one who would bring balance to the Force mm-hmm. was Luke, not Anakin. yeah. I want to see in the new movie if they get into any of the shadows of the Empire stuff because in those books, it's like. Oh well, the emperor's gone. Let's just find a new figurehead. Like the empire will go on. Well, just I like put what they did in, on the, in the Dark Empire comic series, where that the blue flash at the end when the emperor mm-hmm. goes down the pit, goes mm-hmm. down the, the bottomless pit. That's his soul escaping, and he's had this planet, this secret mm-hmm. location with either, all the clones, right? Oh, either yeah. on Coruscant or somewhere else. But he mm-hmm. has this place where. There's this factory, this clone factory that mm-hmm. clones new makes new emperors. Yeah, and his soul goes into the next one. Boom, mm-hmm. he's back. And then they had those. The, the 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 big thing I liked from Dark Empire was the the world eaters, the mm-hmm. the giant the giant combine things. They would land on a planet that would basically just like a giant vacuum cleaner and roll over <laughs> the planet and suck up all the natural resources. Yeah, I like those too. But um, yeah, and then because then and then the story goes back and forth between Han and Leia. Han, you know, being married to a Jedi and not really understanding her mm-hmm. thing, but then Han and Chewie going off and doing their thing, which is yeah. you know getting in the Millennium Falcon and getting into yeah. trouble and fucking shit up. And then mm-hmm. Leia and her kids and restart re resurrecting the Jedi Order, mm-hmm. and then Luke just kind of off doing his own thing. Yeah, and I'm thinking that that from what I'm seeing from the trailer, that the, the, some of those themes are carrying forward. Right, you got Luke right. on his own. Kind of communing with the force, light, mm-hmm. dark, whatever. You got Han and Chewie. I don't know if if it's. I'm hoping the sense that I got from the trailer of the whole thing of Chewie were home. They're clearly standing inside the Falcon, mm-hmm. and and he says Chewie were home. So it seems I'm hoping that it's been he and Le- Leah have been playing you know house and doing mm-hmm. their thing, yeah. And Leah Leah's been training and learning the Jedi ways and stuff. And then their kids or whatever, and then Han reunites with Chewie and mm-hmm. gets back into the action by, you know, they go back and find the Falcon, and it's been yeah. in, in dust or you know, been with a yeah. cloth over it somewhere or up on up on blocks or whatever, yeah. you know. Well, one thing a lot of people miss is you know, there's that iconic scene where Leia's like, "I love you," and he's like, "I know," and everybody thinks like, "Oh, he says I know because you know Han is such a badass and blah blah blah." It's because he loves her so goddamn much that he doesn't want her to worry, you know? And a lot of people don't pick up on that. Yeah. 
So I I think he'd be a good husband, good father. I think so, too. Wait until the kids are, you know, in Jedi Academy before he goes, like, adventuring on his own. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I hope for the sake of drama, it's not this whole thing of Han and Leah are separated and, you know, Han's been a scoundrel or blah, 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 and and Leah's been... Well, I mean, that would destroy his entire arc from, like, the first movies, because, like, you know, in A New Hope, he's like, I'm just in it for the bounty, and then he falls in love with Leia, and it's like he becomes this reformed person, like, that's his character arc. He grows. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that so often in in these types of stories where we go away and come back, um, you know, there have been problems. You know, mm-hmm. the Bruce Willis character in the Die Hard movies, he's yeah. always on again, off again with the wife mm-hmm. and in and out and in and out. Yeah. And, you know, that guy that's too hard to love, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. And that's a, it's an old trope, and I'm really just hoping they don't go down that road because it's Yeah, I, I don't want to see Han Solo be a fuckboy. Yeah. Like, I just... Yeah, oh, I don't no. either. And I don't... I don't <laughs> Much in the same way that I don't, I'm tired of seeing quote-unquote strong female characters who really mm-hmm. need a dude to rescue them out of situations, yeah. I'm also tired of the scout, of the rogue guy mm-hmm. with the rogue with the heart of gold thing where right. it's like, I'm too, I'm too much of a scoundrel to be pinned down into a mm-hmm. relationship, so I'm going to basically do whatever the fuck I want. But I'm charming, so I'll come, I can come back and save right. the day, and then I'm a good guy again. Well, again, if yeah. they go that way with Han, it just completely mm-hmm. destroys his mm-hmm. arc from the original movies, where he goes from scoundrel to learning to be a person. And I'm hoping <laughs> Abrams is able to recognize it because I mean he's uh, Abrams is good with with destroying tropes with mm-hmm. with not con- not not sticking with tropes I yeah. mean alias and you know I mean, we won't even talk about lost but <laughs> alias you had that thing where the 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 show pushed boundaries pushed tropes you know mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff to to kind of quash that whole thing so I'm hoping he'll do with that you know yeah you know, yeah. so I have faith. Yeah, especially yeah. after seeing these trailers, I have faith. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we we saw the first. I remember seeing the first trailer to Phantom Menace and being mm-hmm. excited, and it was great because you know the mu- they brought in the music and you mm-hmm. heard the sounds and you heard the, the the familiarity of everything. It's like, yay, they're doing it right. And then we saw it, and we're just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Well, it's like you had all of these amazing actors and actresses, and George Lucas is such a bad director in that movie that he made both Liam Neeson and. And Natalie Portman suck. Yeah. Like that takes a yeah. special amount of effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen other things that Hayden Christensen is okay in. Mm-hmm. He's not the best actor in the world. No, He's a bit wooden, not. but under George Lucas's direction, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, that movie was so packed full of great, great actors. Mm-hmm. Or those movies, you know. Uh, Ewan McGregor Sam Jackson Ewan McGregor is a phenomenally good actor yeah and he was probably the one person in all of those movies who he didn't on point Obi-Wan defied defied the bad direction Mm -hmm. of he took what he had and actually made it work Mm -hmm. and so he's the one character in all of this you never hate. He never right. cringe. Well, because you actually buy him as a young Obi-Wan. Yeah. Like, totally wholesale, like, the Timeline's yep. a little off, but yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. At the end of, at the end of 
Revenge of the Sith, it's like, okay, he's going to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's 45 in there. Yeah. And now Star Wars, 20 years later, 18 <laughs> years later, 19 years later, yeah. he looks like he's 85. And it's mm. like, come on. You know, they, they could have... Maybe all know. that communing with the Force when yeah, he was, you know, on Coruscant May- and everything Well, and maybe with young. the whole thing with the way people age in space. I mean, Yoda's 900 years old. Right. Who knows how well, old, And Wookiees are long. supposed to live to be like 300 yeah, or something. Yeah. Like, everybody... I was, I was actually <laughs> hoping for Chewie to have a little right. gray in his temples or right. something. Right, like, everyone is saying that. Everyone is saying that. And it's because you guys don't understand that Wookiees have these super long lifespans. Yeah, so yeah. he's, you know, probably still but, just like, you know, seeing Harrison age. Ford, seeing Han Solo with gray hair <laughs> and just, just coming there and got that jaw pushing mm-hmm. through the screen, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. we're home. You know, and uh, it's like, Ugh. Yeah. so it's just, yeah. It was so funny because everybody posting about the trailer just let me know what color their lightsaber was like all of my goth friends were like empire new sith lord oh my god new stormtroopers blah 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 so like all the goth kids the new tie like, fighters look really cool yeah the new, i mean the, i love the, the the extra lines on the mm-hmm. stormtrooper masks yeah. and oh yeah but like all the goth kids are like empire dark side sith lords and like all of my like well, non-goth one... friends are like new jedi oh my god well, you got that one black stormtrooper that black stormtrooper mm-hmm. with the red on it and he's yeah. got that big gun and he's walking down that hallway and it yeah. looks like they, 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 I don't they didn't get a sense in the trailer that they're giving time in the teaser to anybody who's not like a major player mm-hmm. of some sort yeah you know I mean the the one guy the one guy the woohoo guy in the, in the mm-hmm. X-Wing you know he's like another Dak or, or another mm-hmm. uh, oh who was the one who was the one uh, rebel uh, pilot who is in all three movies um, wedge, yeah. wedge. He looks like another wedge Antilles, where he's mm-hmm. just like, you know. Yeah. So. So like, there's that one scene where the Tie Fighter is chasing the Millennium Falcon, and they show like the Chrome Trooper and everything. Yeah. Um, I remember talking on Maybe Facebook what, with yeah, some friends. What... Like, I think it was Brandon, and he was like, "I'm really hoping that's Boba Fett. Like, I'm hoping Boba Fett gets Got to survive the, Sar- the Sarlacc pit, pit, like in the EU." And he's just like oh, well, my armor's gone, better find some new stuff, and, like, is still chasing Han Solo. But one of the other things that I loved about the EU is that Boba Fett continually falls into the Sarlacc pit, and it just becomes this running joke. Like, he falls in, like, three times after. (laughs) How does he wind up back on Tatooine and into a Sarlacc pit again and again and again? Reasons. It's a really great long-running joke. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I, I hope they bring Boba Fett back. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, he can't just die in the Sarlacc pit. He's yeah. Boba Fett. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> I mean, he's got to. There's got to be a way for him to be able to cut his way out of, of mm-hmm. the, you know, the insides of the. I mean, yeah. he's, got, he's got weapons and shit. Yeah, and I was he, gonna say he's he just had, like. Well, his gun got sliced, but then he was able to go down. But he's got like. You know stuff mm-hmm. that shoots from his arms, yeah. and he's got he's got to have extra little maybe some thermal detonators. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, I he, mean, he's a badass bounty hunter. You know, running around the galaxy, I'm sure he can handle a sarlacc. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One can hope. Yeah, one can hope. I guess we'll find <laughs> out in December. Yeah. Well, let's go back to uh, let's go back to comics, mm-hmm. uh, comic movies, and shows and stuff. We were talking about. Um, we were talking about Wonder Woman. Yes. 
Because there and was Black Widow. Because they they had an announcement that they're really, 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 really mean at you guys this time. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a Black Widow movie. And, <laughs> finally, um, finally. And um, how about how out of all the characters in the Avengers that she has kind of <clears throat> the richest backstory, which right. we would like to see. Yeah. I mean, I like Tony Stark's. But again, that's that whole rogue with rogue mm-hmm. turns nice or whatever. Yeah, but, he's the lovable um, douchebag. Right, right. <laughs> but then, but then, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he and Pepper Potts stay. Pop, Pepper Potts stay together through all mm-hmm. the more future movies and all that. Yeah, if yeah. he can actually finally settle down or yeah. whatever. Well, what spurred this discussion was a cracked article that was like mm. five mm-hmm. superheroes who deserve movies before Ant Man, and it was like. Wonder Woman, Black Widow, Oracle, like, tons of girls from the X-Men, right. you know? And right. it's totally true. Like, every point in that article is valid. And right. I'm not just, like, jumping on the let's all shit on Ant-Man bandwagon, because, again, I understand he's one of the original Avengers and blah, 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 but it's, like, he's not a good character. Like, if you read the old Ant-Mans and stuff, like, he beats his wife, Yeah, you know? And, like, yeah. they completely cut... And cut her out. out of it. They yeah, cut, the wasp is gone. Yeah. You know, and... And now instead he rides way, on a wasp. Yeah, there's a better way to write out the domestic violence of Ant-Man without getting rid of the wasp, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like... <sighs> well, I, yeah, I mean, Ant-Man just was never anything that... I mean, it, well, Ant-Man all came about because of Edgar Wright. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the one who was like, I want to do a Marvel movie and I want to do Ant-Man because Ant-Man was one of my favorite characters as a kid. And mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see if though if those scripts of his ever surfaced. Well, and he see, left the project uh, yeah, like, because, early on. Because, well, because they kept fucking with his script mm-hmm. and telling him no, 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 no. It would be right. interesting to see what his script was mm-hmm. if that ever surfaces on the internet, maybe after the movie comes out. Yeah. That would be interesting to see um, and of course, I'll let other people read it and tell me what it says. But <laughs> um, I, but um, yeah, it would be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if he left all that stuff in. But you know, I, I have zero familiarity with Ant Man. I mean, I kind of knew of him. Like I said, growing up, I was a DC kid, Super mm-hmm. Friends. Batman, Superman, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that. Wonder Woman, watch the Wonder Woman TV Love show. The only Wonder real Woman. real Marvel stuff that I was familiar with as a kid was Spider-Man. Because mm-hmm. it was, even from the 60s, there were Spider-Man cartoons. There was a Spider-Man cartoon on the, on, on Saturday mm-hmm. morning TV in the 80s. Yeah. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And then the Hulk TV series. I will always be a Marvel girl because I grew up watching the 1990s X-Men cartoon show and reading X-Men comics. And that was a little after my time. I watched that a little bit. The X-Men showed up on Spider-Man and his amazing friends a couple times. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar, Firestorm. I get uh, all of them confused. Yeah. Um, But I liked liked the Spider-Man cartoon from Mm -hmm. the 60s. I watched the uh, Fantastic Four cartoon a bit. It was also from the 60s. There were a few of those that I watched, and those were good. Um... Spider-Man, uh, I watched um, quite a bit when I was really, really young. There was mm-hmm. it was on TV, and uh, Spider-Man was also on the Electric Company, right? Um, so I had that kind of extreme pop culture familiarity mm-hmm. with Marvel. Only the ones who really kind of broke the mold and really, really way out mm-hmm. in in the forefront. 
but it was mostly DC comics yeah. because of the Batman TV show. Right, right. And so, but then in Saturday morning cartoons, it was it was Super Friends, Super mm-hmm. Friends, Super Friends, Super Friends. And yeah, yeah. I recently at WonderCon because God, this stuff always happens at cons. If you're a girl, this guy um, tried to fake geek girl me. You know, because we were talking about um, the new Spider-Man and like, you know, I was like, oh, I hope they make Miles Morales, you know, Spider-Man like in the next movie, blah, 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 because diversity and all of that. And he's like, well, no, you can't because Spider-Man's Peter Parker and wow, wow, my feels and my childhood. And I'm like, dude, your sad feels do not trump other people getting to see themselves reflected in superhero I movies. I agree. And he was like, well, you haven't been reading comics since you were a kid. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 sweetie. I'm going to need you to have several seats in the back. I have been reading X-Men since I first learned to read in kindergarten. So don't you step to me with this, like, fake geek girl shit. Like, sit the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, but the more time goes on and the more that nerd culture... Uh, infiltrates popular culture, mainstream mm-hmm. popular culture, and the more we see the female characters get more, you know, time in the limelight. Right. We're we're gonna we're gonna the, the there's a whole segment of the population in all different genres that are having their ass handed to them and saying, this isn't just for you. Yeah. This is not just about white dudes. Mm -hmm. Nothing in the world is just (laughs) about white dudes anymore. Yeah. Just drop it. Mm -hmm. Let it go. Because it's changing. And it's already changed. Yeah. It's going to continue to change. And you just have to fucking let it go. Well, one thing I don't understand is these same guys who are like, oh, fake geek girls, blah, 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 are also the same dudes who, you know, 10 minutes later will whine about the fact that they can't find a hot geek girl to date. And it's like, we're not unicorns. Like, geek girls exist. And if you can't find us, it's probably because we're avoiding you because you're a douchebag. Like, if you don't see any geek girls... you don't want a geek girl. You don't want a real human being. You want this idealized thing of this girl who who dresses and who, who likes all the same things that you mm-hmm. do and agrees with all of your opinions and will just, smile and, will just and, sit and smile and nod and look pretty uh. and be an accessory on your arm. And that's all you're looking for. You're, right. not, you're not looking for somebody with a, their own brain, their own mind, mm-hmm. their own heart, their own yeah. passions, their own interests. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, geek girls are everywhere. My exactly. wife reads comics, read comics way before I ever did. You know, I, mm-hmm. it's, you know, she's got, She's got a whole collection of DC and 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 uh, you know zombie comics and mm-hmm. zombie books and this and that. Yeah. You know, and it's it has her own interest. I mean, there there there's a whole bunch of of, of areas of geekdom where she's kind of off in her own corner and I'm off on my own corner right. of the things we like. And and those things don't always intersect. And that's part of being with a real person and and allowing allowing for the fact that that you're two different people and you have your own individual desires and and, and interests mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that and but but I'm just I'm just gotten to the point where I'm just so goddamn sick of white dudes <laughs> saying eh, the world's changing I don't like it I want things to go back to the way they were and it's like sorry you know people of color people of different ethnicities people of different sexes people of different genders people of mm-hmm. different uh, you know, 
rainbows of LGBT whatever yeah. exist and mm-hmm. have their own interests and have their own passions and they need representation too. Absolutely. In like it's everything. so important, you know? And that's why I'm really stoked for the Wonder Woman movie. I'm really yeah. stoked for like the Black Widow movie because again, with all of these superhero movies coming out, it's been like white dude, 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 you know? And it's like you don't have one female superhero movie like you're cutting out more than half of the population yeah you know yeah that's the thing that astounds me so (laughs) much is that really you're gonna rally against you're gonna you're gonna bash on women you're gonna hate on women you're gonna create laws that disenfranchise women and yet women are 51 percent of the population worldwide yeah seriously yeah (laughs) come on Mm -hmm. i don't i just don't get it i don't get it yeah i don't get it i don't get it so it's it's yeah, just white dude movies, you know? I mean, it's just like, you know, oh, great, another another Seth Rogen fucking James Franco movie. Oh, Yay. God. You know, I'm just Those so... just need to stop. I'm just so tired of white buddy movies, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Or or one black guy, one white guy buddy movies, or mm-hmm. and the black guy's always crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, come on. Yeah. It just... Like, it's just... Aside from being awful, it's cliche. Yeah. You know? Well, back to our previous conversation, both today and from another podcast, Agent Carter really oh redeemed my itself. God. They I mean, stepped it up. Obviously, I mean, we like <laughs> to think that it was our podcast who had influence <laughs> on the universe to make, to make, to make. <laughs> Come on, give me this for just a second. Yeah. Come on, play along. <laughs> that we had an influence over what was happening mm-hmm. over at Marvel Studios to make Agent Carter suddenly have a, a sprout of diversity. But right. those obvious, those episodes were obviously already shot, already mm-hmm. produced, already you know written. But you and blah, started blah, blah. seeing women of color yes. in the boarding house. Yes, um, the Howling Commandos yeah. episode. Yeah. There were um, two characters of color, um, Ramirez, and there was an Asian. Right, guy there was two of the two the of the uh, OSI agents that mm-hmm. went uh, with them over to the mission to Russia where they came in with the Howling Commandos and um, yeah and not both of them didn't get killed only yeah. one of them did Yeah, um, but there was an Asian guy and Ramirez or whatever his mm-hmm. name was too and then uh, the Asian guy's name was Lee mm-hmm. but yeah you know they're in the locker room scene they actually have lines they actually yeah. have names yeah you know exactly. and then there's the whole scene where she goes back to the to the boarding house mm-hmm. and um, right before her her next door neighbor uh, turns out to be an agent, a Russian, a Russian agent. Awesome, yeah. but yeah, just Agent Carter was just good, and it was yeah. good all the way yeah. through, and it it well, represented, and she never turned into the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. She never needed a dude to rescue her yeah. or whatever. And, I mean, there were times when when you know any people on a team, one person gets in trouble and somebody mm-hmm. else has to help them, and yeah. that sort of thing happened. But it wasn't this. Oh, suddenly I'm a damsel in distress. And right. I can't help myself. She is always the most competent person yes. in the organization, and Smartest I love that the they room, kept it blah, blah, throughout. Blah, yeah. Like she was like. Hey guys, I just solved the problem. If anyone would listen to me, we wouldn't need to do this. In, I seriously just yes. figured this out ten minutes ago. And in the last episode, not to spoil anything, but in the mm-hmm. last episode, when everything gets resolved or everything mm-hmm. comes to the conclusion of that season, right? She doesn't get the credit, which mm-hmm. is a statement about feminism and and, right. and uh, misogyny and and all that, and and about this one guy just steps up and takes the credit even though mm-hmm. Agent Carter was clearly one and somebody even says, dude, that's not right. She goes, yeah, whatever, I'm used to it. I love her response. She was like, I know my value. My, I know my value. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I bought a shirt from T-Fury with 
her picture on it and it says, I know my value. And I'm like, that is such an amazing statement for little girls. Like agent Carter is such a great role model. And like, I want to just show that to every little girl. And you might not always get credit from everybody else. And that's a lesson for anybody, right? for anybody, not just for little girls, not just for women, but just for anybody Mm -hmm. that even though you might not get credit for what you've done or the things that you've done or saving the day or whatever, Mm -hmm. know your value. Know the fact that this happened because I did it. And even if nobody else acknowledges it, Mm -hmm. I'm okay. It's certainly nice when somebody acknowledges it and people should. But but, you have to know what you're capable of first and foremost, you know? And again, like this goes back to the issue of representation. Now we have a character that little girls can see themselves in and, you know, is a strong, positive role model. So like rock on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was glad. So, so, yeah, yeah. I think for me, that's one of the things that I always gravitated uh, towards X Men. Sure. About because they have Lots the most diverse cast, right, right, like right. not just along gender lines, but race lines and everything, like culture lines. They yeah, have Jewish characters. Yeah, and, Kitty Pride is so Jewish. Yeah. Like when they kill um, her boyfriend, Glasses, yeah. like she, she, wants, she does she the sit, Jewish sit morning yeah. rituals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Storm, yeah. a black woman, yeah. and she's an Omega-level X-Men. clearly the most powerful X-Men. Absolutely. Like, Storm is the one that they call in where it's like, Hey, guys, yeah. I'm tired of fighting the Sentinels. Can we just go home? They're yeah. like, yeah, somebody calls Storm, and she's like, handled. Yeah. <laughs> Let me well, just then, electrocute everyone. Well, didn't Phoenix everyone. wind up being one of the most powerful as well? Yeah, but, I mean, that and whole Jean thing Grey. with Jean Grey is, like, she couldn't control it and, yeah, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But she had all these cool powers. Like, she rebuilt her sister from the molecular level up, right, you know? Right. So, like, super powerful, but she kind of wasn't in control of it right. the whole time. And, right. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Representation Did you matters. wind up seeing um, Kingsman? No. Finally, I want to finally talk about it because I kept recommending <laughs> it, not seeing it. We finally went and saw it, and wow, what a fun movie! Uh, and we saw um, it was this really perfect blend of kind of British. It was a very British film. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really downplayed the violence. Oh, cool! Um, it, the and the thing that I loved about it was rated R. Mm-hmm. I was going to go see it regardless, but then it was right. rated R, and there was F-bombs galore, and you got Samuel L. Jackson being <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, and it was phenomenally good, And but Samuel L. Jackson with a lisp, and it was really funny, and, you know, Colin Firth and, and the kid that was in it, and, and when the kid's going through the academy and gets to the end, he gets beaten out by a girl. Nice. And they wind up teaming up mm-hmm. to go and do the thing, and, yeah. and it's really, really good. Um, but it was, it's very British. There's very little blood in the movie. Even mm-hmm. though somebody gets completely sliced, bisected down the middle. Right. Um, there's very little blood and violence so and So it's just a little more gets, realistic than our American, like, sure. rivers Bloods, of blood. Right, right. You know? It's no Sam Peckinpah movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it... Uh, yeah, but it, it was just so damn good. And you got, you got Michael Caine and you got... There's other British actors. Uh, Tom, uh, what's his name, is in it. And... Uh, I just can't recommend it highly enough. It was mm. such a good movie. I've only seen like two movies this year, and yeah. I really feel bad because I run a media a media centric <laughs> podcast, and I I have had so little time. We're moving, guys. We're, we bought a house, and we're moving, and and we've been busy. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna go see Age of Ultron, and there's a few other things I want to see this year. But the oh one thing, the trailer. Uh, when we went to see Kingsman, the trailer for The Man from Uncle, and they're doing Man from Uncle as a '60s period. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it looks so damn good. I cannot <laughs> wait to see that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I am excited for Age of Ultron because they're bringing in Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Oh my god. So stoked. Again, super huge X-Men fan. Like, cannot wait. I just... uh and it's in two weeks. It's so funny. I know. I, I knew a lot of <laughs> names and appearances of of Marvel comic uh, heroes, but I just didn't didn't read the comics themselves. I was mm. always reading DC stuff. Gotcha. I read a few episode or uh, issues of Power Man and Iron Fist and mm-hmm. and a couple other things and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I just like the the Marvel movies because they're really well done and and my friends who are all Marvel geeks really rave about them and that's mm-hmm. kind of what as I've said before lights the fire under me to want to go see them and yeah. Age of Ultron everybody's just like Age of Ultron you know, and people are mm-hmm. just drooling on themselves for Age of Ultron yeah and it looks fun and the you know the whole Hulk Buster outfit and yeah. blah 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 and yeah. and um. You know, I mean, that's kind of a trope, too, though, is you have this big team that comes together and suddenly they're all fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a thing, too. But. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Marvel doesn't have the rights to the X-Men. Right. Uh, Fox TV has that. So it's like, how are they going to deal with um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver? Because they can't outright call them mutants or have anything to do with the X-Men and, and all of that just because of the stupid, you know, rights battle back and forth. Um, But the interesting thing about uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver joining the Avengers is they were in the Brotherhood, which Mm. is like, you know, Magneto's crew. Like, they were the bad guys. And, I mean, they're Magneto's children. So I'm wondering how they're going to handle that because, again, that was the most interesting part of them joining the Avengers. Magneto's actual physical progeny? or Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Because I mean, obviously, in the in the in uh, Days of Future Past, Quicksilver they has his own D. Oh, really? Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, in Days I didn't of Future catch that. Past, um, Quicksilver like has um, a moment where he's like, "My mom knew someone who could do that." After Magneto like bends metal or something, oh, it's very didn't, subtle. Didn't catch that because yeah. I'm not a Marvel fan, but yeah. or Marvel. Yeah, you know, it's a very geek. subtle little thing. Like you'd have to know and you'd have to be looking for it. And I love who they got to play him, because I, I, I'm a big fan of his from yeah, Amer- American Peters. Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. I like him a I lot. I mean, it's going to be a new actor in Age of Ultron, so uh, continuity, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're uh, but I like they're period, twins. I like period piece comic book, or, you know, <laughs> period piece movies. I like yeah. the fact that they're um, the, the fact that Man of Uncle is going to be set in the 60s just mm-hmm. makes, me, makes me tingle. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things about 60s aesthetic that I really like, and it was a different mm-hmm. time in a different world, obviously. There was lots of misogyny and racism and all that horrible horribleness to it, but there was something... I mean, it's like watching Mad Men. I mean, yeah, you see a lot of the awfulness of that time, that mm-hmm. if you weren't a white dude, things were shitty for you, but yeah. there's a certain... There's something about the aesthetic of the '60s, the clean lines and the mm-hmm. the the you know the sparkling white formica and blah blah <laughs> blah. That there's I don't know. There's just something about it that yeah. that's really appealing, and I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah, there was also like one of the last minutes of um, Days of Future Past, where like you see Quicksilver with a little girl who is presumably his sister, Scarlet Witch. Like they're just watching TV, and he's like. You know, got his arm around her and stuff, which I thought was interesting because in they're the comics supposed they're twins. supposed to be twins. Mm. Yeah, mm. Um, but they they do allude to Magneto being their dad. So 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, be and of course, they both have super mutant powers oh, yeah. because of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with, with a lot of the other heroes are made and the other the mutants are all born that way Mm -hmm. so it's like this kind of dichotomy where you got people who become super and later in their lives like spider-man or you know due to an accident or things Mm -hmm. like that but then you got the people who are just kind of born that way yeah yeah like lady gaga <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, while we're on the subject of uh, the Days of Future Past movie, one thing that I did not appreciate about the movie is they send Wolverine back whereas, instead of Rogue. Well, in the comic, it's Kitty Pride. Oh, Kitty Pride, yeah. yeah sorry, it's Kitty, Kitty Pride. Pride going back because the whole thing is an allegory for the Holocaust. And again, Kitty Pride is super Jewish, and it's like we have Wolverine in like. How many solo movies now do you really need to make this thing all about Wolverine again? Yeah. Like, I'm kind of tired of Wolverine. Like, give him a break. Over it. He's he's had his chance. Let's do something with the rest of the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. But, you know, not not being the Marvel geek and not knowing that, it, mm-hmm. it worked for me. Because, like I said, I didn't know any better. But, right. yeah, I can definitely see feeling like... Wow! Why well, they did it again? Mm-hmm. And Ellen Page is so adorable, and she's an amazing actress. Like she yeah. could have carried the movie. She oh, could have totally, done it. Totally, yeah. totally. I would love <laughs> to see her in more, more things again. Mm-hmm. It's been too long. What was the last thing she was in? Even I think it was Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think she's been doing theater or something. Mm-hmm. She's just but. off being amazing. Have you noticed though? She hasn't been doing a lot of big things since she came out. Yeah, which is. Kind of disturbing. fucked up. Like, I, I hope, hope that's not related, me but too. I can't help but feel like that. Right, right. I really hope that's not the case. I hope she's just taking a break and being awesome, doing her own thing, and eventually she'll get back into movies because I she's so. amazing. Oh, yeah. She can definitely. <laughs> I mean, you ever see fucking uh, Hard Candy? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a hard movie to watch, but mm-hmm. goddamn, is she powerful in that movie? <laughs> yeah. One of the... Um, you know, and even... Uh, there's there's times when you see an actor in a movie and they're they're playing a character who's so despicable that they that their performance... And their performance is so good that you wind up having trouble watching that actor in other things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that he was in costume a lot, the actor who played the guy in Hard Candy, mm-hmm. um, the photographer... He wasn't in costume so much in in Watchmen. It would have been hard for me to see him because I've tried, you know, seen him in other things, and it's like, oh, he's that guy from Hard Candy. That <laughs> and it's like, Ugh. it's like Paul Reiser after yeah. Aliens. I could never watch Paul Reiser in anything ever mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and he was a great, you know, gifted com- comedian, and mm-hmm. but I never could watch Mad About You, and I, yeah, I just Ugh. dude, the kid who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones, yes. he's gonna have such a hard time. I thought he. Re- Retired. Did he retire? I think he retired. Smart move. I think he... He's got that Game of Thrones money to live off of well, forever. Well, but he, I think he said, I did this as a as a fluke. I'm going back to school and finishing blah, 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 and I'm not oh, going to act awesome. anymore. I, the, I think, unless there's some other blonde, you know, European <laughs> actor, it wasn't Tom Feldon, I don't think, because mm-hmm. he's the only other blonde shithead, you know, character... <laughs> actor that I can think of but mm-hmm. um, 
but that's how yeah, you know think, like an I actor think he re- does an amazing job I think is when he retired you hate them. yeah i think he <laughs> retired after that mm-hmm. um i love all the memes on the internet about uh joffrey baratheon versus the girl who played uh um, the rich bitch Nelly on, oh, on, uh, yeah. on Little House, Little House on the Prairie. Prairie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he was also in Batman Return or Batman. Uh, was it? Oh, The Dark Knight. He yeah. was in The Dark Knight. Played this. Played Jim the Gordon's son. Jim Gordon's son. Yeah. But yeah, what a horrible. I mean, that's the thing is, Lena Headey too. Watching oh, her and other gosh, stuff she's is hard. Amazing. She's amazing, but that character is so evil. Mm-hmm. And and did you see the uh, first episode of the new season? No. Okay. Um, I, I gave up on Game of Thrones um, because, gotcha. like, for me, so many TV shows now mm-hmm. are predicated on just creating, providing these these amazingly well-rounded, fleshed-out, lovable characters, mm-hmm. and then slogging them through <laughs> oceans of shit. And yeah. I'm tired of watching... I'm tired of it's it'd be like it's like it's like being in a house where there's an abusive relationship happening and you're just so tired of seeing yeah. people you care about get shit on, you know. That's, and that's I'm fair. And I'm you know, I'm out with Game of Thrones, I'm out with, with Walking Dead and, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean I feel bad because I run a media uh, you know, have a media podcast but a media culture podcast but I watch these things so you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I'm just like, you know, it's like in the mid-season thing with Walking Dead last year, they took that character, the the blonde girl character, and built her up and, and made her important just to kill her off at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, come on. Yeah. It's sadism. It's, it's just, you're just... Uh, well, it's just, I mean, it's 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 like the ultimate cruelty. It's right. like you're creating these characters. Well, the Walking and, Dead and building like, this heart love from the fans, you know, to this great passionate point, and then just killing them off mm-hmm. and decimating people's emotions over and over and well, over. Walking Dead, the comics has always had a problem with women because what's his name Robert Kirkman is kind of a shit like he's come out and said like yeah I don't think women are as strong as men so blah 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 and it's like well I'm not reading this comic anymore you are getting exactly none of my money moving forward because you're an asshole like fuck you dude (laughs) yeah yeah I just I have to say though it was horrible, but when when Lori died, mm-hmm. I was happy because I'm like I'm so done with her being basically useless. Mm-hmm. You know, all she ever does is create this emotional triangle rift between Rick and and what's his name, and mm-hmm. then say and then other or or the other words out of her mouth is "Where's Coral?" <laughs> and that's it. And then you know, killing her off was fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just she was a pretty terribly written character. Yeah, and not a good mom. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly very selfish person, and you know, just. Mm-hmm. But yeah, getting yeah. Um, getting back to Game of Thrones and the season opener. The first scene is Cersei as a little kid getting these prophecies from a witch who lives on her dad's land, and like that's really great because it explains so much about her character and why she's paranoid, why she's power hungry, why she's like the way she is. Again, it goes back to fleshing out the bad guys and giving them giving actual them a motives reason and why stuff. motives for why they're Yeah. Out. So that was great. I'm glad they finally put that in there. Um, one interesting thing, in the book she gets three prophecies. 
Um, and they go into two of them in the show, but the one that they leave out is all of your children will die before you. And that explains why she's such a, like, overprotective mama bear with, like, all of her kids. Because in the back of her head, she's still thinking about when she was a kid and someone was like, all of your children are going to die before you, you know? So again, like, it's just, it's one of those really great moments of storytelling where it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why she's this way. What, now I what get were the it. other two prophecies? Um, you will be a queen. Um, I can't remember the second one. And um, she was for many years. Yeah. Oh, um, you, you will be, um, dethroned or taken down by somebody younger and prettier than you. You know, and that gets into the whole thing with Marguerite Terrell and how she's like, you know, super popular queen of Restoros and everyone loves her and people are just like, uh, Cersei, whatever. And, you know, now she's not the queen anymore. She's the queen mother and she's like feeling her power slipping and, and all of that. So, again, like it just it gives you a reason why Cersei is the way she is, mm -hmm. like aside from her fucked up upbringing mm -hmm. she also mm -hmm. has these prophecies yeah because her dad was a piece of shit yeah and it was horrible <laughs> to all of his children and, yeah and every motivation he had was power 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 and, mm -hmm. and this is my legacy you need to yeah. preserve power and stay on the throne and yeah. blah, blah blah one other thing that they don't get into um in the show that they really make uh clear in the books and i've had to explain this to a couple people is the importance of melting down uh ned's valyrian steel swords and then uh the lannisters finally having their own valyrian steel swords so to get into that um for people who have just watched the show uh, back in the day, there was Valyria, and that was like the heart of all magic and where magic came from and blah, blah, blah. And then there was this event called the Doom of Valyria, which they don't flat out say is a volcano eruption, but it sounds like one. And the only people who survived the Doom of Valyria are the Targaryens because they're like soothsayer, you know, fortune teller was like, yo, you guys need to get off Valyria like right fucking now. So they do. They go to Dragonstone, which is where that place gets its name. And after the Doom of Valyria, the Targaryens are like, well, we're the only people here with dragons and a little bit of magic, so let's conquer all the things. And that's how the Targaryens end up conquering Westeros. But after the Doom of Valyria, anything magic becomes super rare, super hard to get, and, you know, so it's what is like... So what is the magical property of Valerian steel? Valerian steel is, like, the strongest stuff ever. Like, right. you can't so break it. It's the adamantium of... Yes, of, it's the adamantium of Westeros. Of Westeros. Um, and all of these great noble houses have Valerian steel swords. It's like a status symbol. Like... One of them, like, one one sword for yeah, each family head exactly, or whatever, right? Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's such a rare and, you know, status symbol uh, kind of thing that like great houses will go bankrupt and they still won't part with their Valyrian steel swords. They'll be like, oh fuck no. So it was always kind of like a thing for the Lannisters that they didn't have one. Mm. They were always super butthurt about it. Right. Like they had all this money. But then money. they got one because then something got yeah. melted down. Yeah, they melted down Ned Stark's sword oh, after right. they killed him. And so, you know, like they kind of get into it in the show a little bit, but like in the books, when they melt down Ned Stark's sword and make, you know, two swords, one for Joffrey and, like, one for Jaime, it's like, oh, we finally feel like a great house because now we finally have two Valyrian steel swords. Like, that was always the thing, is, like, the Lannisters have so much money and they're so powerful and they're this great house, but 
they were always butthurt because they never had a Valerian steel sword, and now, like, they have two. So, like, again, they get into it a little in the show where Tywin's presenting the swords right, and everything, right, yeah. but you don't really feel the weight of it no. for House Lannister. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they always talked about Valerian steel, and it was just like this, oh, okay, it's this special steel, so what? And then yeah. that's kind of the way it always was in the TV show. Again, it's that one thing of, of watching the show and not reading the books, and I feel mm-hmm. like there's definitely a lot about the TV show that you kind of have to read the books to fill in some gaps, mm-hmm. and definitely. which I think is kind of not good writing. It's, it, yeah. it's a thing of, of like, if yeah. you're going to mention something, don't just assume that everybody's also reading the books. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just yeah. assume that. I mean, I would have liked a little more of that. And it wouldn't have been hard. It, you know, could have just taken two more lines from Tywin, like, no, House Lannister finally has, blah, 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 right. Blah, blah, right. you know? I'm glad that he got killed in the shitter. <laughs> by, uh, well, the rumor is not true. The Lannisters do not shit gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It, 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 there, there's... I don't know. It, it'd be interesting. I guess it might be interesting to see where it's all going to go. And I definitely... I mean, I was talking on another podcast about this. But I definitely know where I would like it to all wrap up and end. But, you know, I don't see it ever, I don't know, getting there. But maybe it will. But mm-hmm. it's like book five of the Harry Potter series. It's like you have to watch Harry endure such an ocean of shit mm-hmm. in that one book. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was done with book five, I wanted to tear it up and burn it. Because I was so angry at rolling for, for putting Harry through so much shit for that. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, and people were like... Well, but that just makes him stronger. It makes the fact that he wins in the end better. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's it's he. Like, it's he. It's like that's a cop out. It's like it's y- such a Catholic value too. Like totally. suffering is good for the soul. Yeah, and it's like yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, I left the church behind a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, the the book five of you know oh you know. Bye bye, Sirius, and bye bye, <laughs> and bye bye. And if you haven't watched or read Harry Potter by this point, bummer. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and and the whole thing with uh, um, oh, who was that teacher? The horrible, horrible teacher in book five, um, the one who got manhandled by centaurs at the end. I know here, t- Dolores Del- Umbridge. Umbridge. Oh yeah. my god. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it was really... In, in, I don't know. It, Dude, it, the whole centaurs thing, that's another do not fuck with Hermione Granger no, no, moment. No, 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 like, no. oh my god. Especially if we're going by, like, Greek centaur myths. Like, all centaurs do is just kind of rape things. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> definitely was implied. Yeah. That she got dragged off to be their mm-hmm. buddy. Yeah. I Again. mean, we saw her in in book seven, mm-hmm. um, kind of having come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Do not fuck with Hermione Granger. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I guess in the fantasy or sci-fi mythos genres, it's easier to say people are bad for the sake of being bad because of power, because mm-hmm. of of. The old power corrupts thing. The old power corrupts thing, yeah. And it really, 
that has goes a lot further than just I'm a bad guy, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, but it is always better writing, I think, and more interesting to find out why somebody's right and why they think right. in their minds they're doing, doing the, the right, right thing. thing. Right? Yeah. So what what was this thing about? About Cersei walking through the streets naked or something that hasn't happened oh, okay. on the show yet. Okay, I just saw a thing about okay. it. Okay, because they've been talking about the fact that they had to shoot that in whatever village in mm-hmm. Europe that they're shooting sh- Prague or yeah. wherever it was, and they had to actually kind of shut everything down and shoot it over three <laughs> days, and it cost however many hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars to do it or they, whatever. They are getting to that point, but it hasn't happened okay. yet. So, sorry, everyone who's oh, well. only, you know, seen the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing. there was nothing in there about why or what the story was behind that or what's yeah. going on. I mean, so, do and we you, don't have to talk okay. about that. Okay, I was like, but, do but, you want me to? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't have to talk about that. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. I was just, I was just, that to me was like a curiosity thing. I mean, obviously I've seen mm-hmm. Lean and Hetty naked and other things, so yeah. I don't need to watch that just for yeah. that. But I mean, off camera, if you want me to go into sure, it for you, sure. then I can. But I don't want to spoil anything yeah, for, yeah. like I said, people who have only seen the show. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a bit of buzz in the media about mm-hmm. them having to shoot this scene, but they didn't really mm-hmm. fill in any of the blanks about... Because I thought it happened in the first episode, the, the premiere, season Mm-mm. premiere, but... No. So that's no, fine. they start setting things up okay. for that. Okay. Like, they're they're definitely building to it, so... I mean, I, I was talking to Travis Olgen about this, and where I definitely would like to see Game of Thrones end up with with uh, Danny's Targaryen on the throne, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, the imp kind of at her side mm-hmm. or with her in some fashion, you know, in there, yeah. in the court, maybe the hand of the king or hand of the queen or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, that's the way I would like to see up with all the, you know, all the Lannisters heads on spikes, except for his. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Brienne of Tarth is the, you know, <laughs> head guard or whatever, yeah. or the head of the guards. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's what I would like to see is all the, all the, all the redeemable characters, you know, Mm-hmm. in good positions. Right. Well, I mean, in this season, they're going to get into stuff um, from The Winds of Winter, which is the unfinished book by George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah, so they're actually, this season, I thought that, and maybe I was wrong, but the, I thought that this season of Game of Thrones, they were actually going to go past the point they where They already have, okay. with a lot of the, stuff. The, and they're, they're diverging from the they books, are, like, They are, they are. He told them what his ending was for everything. Yeah. He sat down and had a had a meeting and yeah. they kind of wrote, wrote out. But they're going in their own direction. Right. So now, not entirely, but even more so than before, the show is diverging mm-hmm. from the books. Yeah. And wherever George R. R. Martin's, what he's got, what, two more books to write mm-hmm. yet after the one he hasn't Something even like finished that. yet? I know the and one then, that he's working on right now is The Winds of Winter. So, yeah. But I mean, as far as like the stuff that I've seen in this season that is diverging from the books, I'm like, oh, okay, I can go with this. Like, this yeah. is cool. Yeah. You know? Um, one thing that I would really like to see is Daenerys just march her dragons up to the north and deal with the White Walkers. Because, again, this is something they don't get into in the show, but is really heavily emphasized in the books. The White Walkers and the dragons are connected. Like, one comes back because of the other. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, well, fires, ice, fire, right, ice, right. song of well, fire the, and ice. Yeah, exactly. Hello. It's a song of ice and fire. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would like to see the ice and fire, like, duke it out, you know? Right. 
Like, well, I mean, that, that would be a great way to wrap up everything to have have Danny and the dragons, mm-hmm. you know, and her army of Unsullied mm-hmm. walk into the, you know, that that the the, the 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 creatures from the north tear down the wall. Basically, mm-hmm. they just destroy the wall, yeah. and come through and start invading all of Westeros and the mm-hmm. Northlands and come start swarming down. Yeah, and in comes. Danny and her armies and dragons, mm-hmm. and the, the big battle ensues. Yeah, and they wind up fixing the shit. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, throughout all of that, everybody mm-hmm. else who is quote unquote in line for the throne gets hacked and murdered and destroyed yeah. in horrible ways. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets all the evil people get their comeuppance. And yeah. then Danny Danny's Targaryen is on the throne, mm-hmm. and there's uh, you know there's. Uh, um, Dinklage and and mm-hmm. uh, Brienne of Tarth and you know the the people we like <laughs> and what's the other the other Stark daughter uh, the redhead uh, uh, Sansa Sansa is in there too and Littlefinger winds up with someone else's little finger up him <laughs> and because he's a, just a creepy fucker oh my god yeah. I can't uh, I I have trouble watching mm-hmm. scenes with him in it because I find him so repellent so just yeah. creepy and just. He's like you can feel the slime. The slime, yeah. And I've got a friend who who does Coleman. Coleman, who does oh man, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. And I told him that his 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 portrayal of Littlefinger creeps me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he looks so spot on. Oh yeah, I mean he looks more like Littlefinger than Littlefinger. Yeah. I mean really. Mm-hmm. So, but <laughs> yeah, the fact that it, that whole thing with. Sansa going with him and he's got this attachment to her because she's a daughter of the woman mm. that he's been in love with his whole life and it's just like yeah. gross. Yeah. One thing people don't give Sansa enough credit for is she survived in the capital for a long ass time. After just on her, her dad own. was dead, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. everybody else fled, everybody else mm-hmm. was either killed or fled. Red right. Wedding or... Uh, she was stuck there, and she learned how to play the fucking game yep. to stay alive. Yep. You know, and people are like, yep. Sansa's weak, and and she's not strong like Arya. <clears throat> she's strong in a different, different way. way. Yeah. Like, she has learned to play the game. She's learning how to play the political game, and, mm-hmm. and Arya's out there learning how to survive physically. Yeah, and going to badass... Faceless man assassin school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the the most one of the biggest heartbreaks was that wonderful uh, character who came in and wound up being oh Oberon Martell. Oberon Martell, who I don't think was in the books at yeah, all. Yeah, he was. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. But him coming in and had that weird relationship with his sister and blah blah blah. But then yeah. he comes in and goes up against the mountain and then just dies horribly and mm-hmm. it's like oh come on one thing that they don't get into um in the show but they get into in the books like you kind of see it it's alluded to in the show oh like, yeah there's because the when he stabbed him the blade was tainted poisoned. right yeah. and he winds up just dying for like three slowly, weeks slowly dying like for three and weeks. painfully yeah, just like yeah, rotting just, from bleh, the inside yeah. because of this poison and yeah. like that's where Oberon gets his nickname, the Red Viper of Dorne, because he's a poison master. And there's, like, one scene in the show where, like, his page is, like, wiping down his blade, you know? And for me, I'm like, oh, just poisoning this, no big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then you do see the mountain kind of writh- writhing in pain, but we don't see his horrible, mm-hmm. disgusting end, like, in the books. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and also in the books, they send... Um, 
a head to Dorne, you know, to be like, we're sorry we killed your prince, but here's the head of the guy who killed him. Let's not start a war because our kingdom's going broke. But it wasn't the mountain's head. No, no, it wasn't. Um, They're already jumping to this in the show. Um, There's one maester who basically takes the mountain and, like, resurrects him and makes him this, like, Frankenstein kind of creature. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Weird. Yeah, they've already like they've gotten Let's throw Prometheus into, that in the into. Show. <laughs> yeah, or Pygmalion into. Yeah, like you just—they have a scene where the Maester is like down in the basement, and you see this like giant body that's just kind of like like twitching, you know. And then you see him like experimenting with rats. It's like, oh, okay, we're just we're going ahead to this, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I really like Dorn. I like you know, their whole kingdom because they're very sex positive, mm-hmm. obviously. It's also the one place where they don't treat bastards terribly. Like, they treat, you know, bastards like people. Anyone, you know, from the royal family with the last name Sand is treated like a human and respected. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's Westeros's Spain. And I'm glad yeah, yeah, that yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they brought that into the show. Yeah. Like, you can definitely see it in the architecture and, and everything, right. you know. So, that's really cool. Yeah. But um, the other thing that they don't get into... Well, th- I think they kind of got into it a little in the show. But um, the uh, Martell's, like, words are unbent, unbowed, unbroken. And that's a reference to when the Targaryens first took over. Like, the Martells were the only house not to, like just bow down to them and their dragons. They're like, ah, fuck you. Like, just bring it. We'll stay here in our castles until mm-hmm. your dragons get tired. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then the Targaryens just gave up. And so, like, that's the whole thing with their words, is right. they never bowed to the Targaryen conquerors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to explore the whole thing that they kind of alluded to, I think, in the second season where somebody was going around and investigating and finding all of Ned Stark's, or not Ned Stark's, of Robert Baratheon's bastards Mm -hmm. and how those are really truly the, the, you know, the kind of the heirs to the throne of Mm -hmm. Robert's throne when really, I mean, obviously the Targaryens had the the throne of Westeros and then he was murdered, but um, by the Kingslayer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it it was one of those things where they kind of the, these little trails of stuff kind of fizzled, mm-hmm. where it would have been interesting. That would have been interesting story writing to see. There was that one kid who was like a becoming a sword maker or a blacksmith. Yeah, Gendry. Yeah, and then where has he been for two seasons now? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were just barely starting to. You know, they they cast the light on him for a while and said, oh, here's this guy who's obviously a bastard yeah. son of Robert Baratheon, and what's going to happen with him? And, oh, maybe he's going to be a contender for the throne, and, and, and pff, nothing. Mm. And just... Yeah. Well... It's like, uh, it's like on Happy Days, Richie's brother going upstairs and disappearing and never walking down again. <laughs> well, the Chuck. little thing is uh, Melisandre needs King's Blood for her magic, so... Oh, the, the Red Witch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She needs King's Blood. Um, what was I going to say? I had another thought about that. Oh, one thing they never go into in the show is um, House Baratheon is actually a bastard house of the Targaryens. 
like way back when one of the Targaryens, you know, like fucks someone and blah blah blah. And, like you do. Yeah, and he had these bastards, and rather than like just being like, eh, "You're a bastard," like he raised them, made them a noble house, and everything. So hmm. that makes you know, it's it's well, it totally makes the, to the, yeah, like, the Targaryens the and the right know? and the Baratheons. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The other thing with Game of Thrones is, for me, it's like, it's uh, maybe it's easier if you read the books to keep everybody's names straight and, and really. characters straight. <laughs> it's like, there's so many goddamn mm-hmm. people in this, and it's too many people to keep track of, and it's a, yeah. you've got your main ten players, mm-hmm. and everybody else comes in and out, but then everybody they decide to make important you know, or for a moment or whatever. And then it's like, like Baratheon's bastard mm-hmm. blacksmith son. It's like, what the fuck yeah. happened to him? You know, it's like, come on. Mm-hmm. And to me, it just, when, I mean, but I, I guess in life ends, things fizzle sometimes and there's mm-hmm. no explanation and just disappear. Like, you know, friends come and go or the people mm-hmm. come and go or whatever. And you don't really know what happens, but it's still, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It always sounds like me just shitting on Game of Thrones, but it, it's just that <laughs> I think the thing I just have to kind of say is a lot of those, a lot of the biggest, most popular TV shows that are out right now are not for me. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm sad that they're cutting out completely is uh, Lady Stoneheart. So in the books, um, Beric Dondarrion and his whole troop with like the Red Priest and you know the guys who are traveling with no. him. No, <laughs> you're talking about you okay. just named like four things that I just have no yeah. clue about. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> so you know that uh, Catelyn Stark was murdered at the Red Wedding, right? Yes. Um, there's another Red Priest who Arya runs into who can bring himself back from the dead, but every time he does, he's like a little more traumatized by it like he has that you know 500 mile stare that's like i've seen some shit yeah, yeah. you know um in the I've books seen some things and some yeah stuff. yeah eventually in the books they find catelyn stark's body in the river and they're like oh no lady stark you know and they fish her out and the red priest is like look i'm tired of being alive i'm tired of coming back from the dead because i've seen some shit and so he does a spell to give his life to Catelyn Stark and bring her back and she becomes like she's not Catelyn Stark anymore for one thing because they slit her throat she can barely talk Mm -hmm. and she again because they brought her back like she has seen some shit She's and, seen the other side, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she comes back as Lady Stoneheart, and she gets that nickname because now that she's back, her whole mission is just revenge. Like, kill anyone who could have possibly done anything to her family, you know? And she just goes on, like, this murder rampage. And they completely cut that out of the show. And I'm like, why? That's so cool. Catelyn Stark is basically a revenge-fueled zombie. Like, that sounds fucking awesome. Why would you cut that out? Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, know. I'm sad we're never going to get to see that. Yeah. I'm really sad. <laughs> well, but maybe 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 they needed to have the the Prometheus thing with the mountain it's as you said it sounds like they're starting down that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they needed that to be a gateway for people into the because you know so far I mean from what I've seen there hasn't been a whole lot of magic well, there's been some alchemy the yeah. whole thing with the green the wildfire the wildfire yeah. there and then the dragons obviously mm-hmm. and the, you know the white walkers and the and the red witch mm-hmm. the, the, the 
there's there's elements of it, but there's well, again, really it's all taking magic a long slowly coming back time. into the world. Right, right, like right. because Daenerys's dragons are there, the White Walkers come back, and it's like magic is slowly filtering right. back into the world. So maybe maybe they might resurrect. Well, they've already said like, look, we're not doing the Lady Stoneheart oh, okay. storyline, and I'm okay. like, why? That sounds awesome like that would look so cool on tv just do it please but they've already said they're not gonna Mm. so Mm. yeah yeah so we're at hour 18 what uh what uh anything coming up you 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 got new gigs you got new stuff anything any projects you're working on you're excited about um yeah but i'm i'm not at a stage where i can talk about it talk about it too much like artistic wise um i did just start an industrial band which you know i mentioned on the podcast so far it's uh my friend kaya and i we've been fiddling around with stuff figuring out our sound and i've written two songs um so that's cool uh let's see what else um yeah nothing nothing else that i'm i'm really ready to talk about yet everything is still sort of you know in development yeah yeah so yeah, but I've got cool stuff coming. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, for me, I'm recommending, obviously, I think every person who's breathing, who has had any interest in Star Wars, even on a tacit level, has seen the new Star Wars trailer. Mm-hmm. But go watch it again, because it's Seriously. awesome. And watch the supercut. It's on the Nerdist, uh, mm-hmm. Nerdist blog. And, I mean, we've already covered Age of Ultron yeah. is coming out. Yeah, we Age of Ultron's coming out. New Star Wars is coming out in, mm-hmm. in December. I'm really looking forward to Man, of Uncle, Man from Uncle. Uh, Spectre, everything mm-hmm. I'm seeing from the new Bond film. <gasps> A.K.A. Jessica Jones is going to be on Netflix soon. Okay. Oh, for right, that. right, 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 right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Danny started watching um, Daredevil. Daredevil's amazing. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm planning on watching that. I, I binged watched the whole thing. Highly recommend it. It's great. Again, tying it back to bad guys with motives and, you know, fleshing out the story. Like, they do such an amazing job cool. with that. Cool, I'm looking forward to that. Because I... I don't know very much about about Daredevil. I didn't mm-hmm. see the uh, the Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know that I know that Daredevil. Uh, Kevin Smith was a big Daredevil fan and actually mm-hmm. wrote a wrote a season of it, a series of it, a year's mm-hmm. worth of issues of it, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I like how they deal with the fact that Daredevil is a superhero in Hell's Kitchen because, like, back when the comic was first written, it was like super bad area, crimey, sure, like, blah blah blah. Sure. But recently, like. Hell's Kitchen in New York has been gentrified mm, and it's mm, like mm. really nice and expensive. So how they deal with that in the TV show is like it becomes a bad neighborhood again because it was destroyed by the Avengers uh, in the first movie, you know. And they just refer to that as the incident. Oh, the so, incident, yeah. Yeah. So, so Hell's Kitchen was, you know, gentrified and revitalized, but then it just got destroyed cool. by the Avengers. Cool. <laughs> cool. All right. So it's All a bad right. area again and that ties into the whole daredevil thing. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we're also looking forward to man from uncle. Um, I saw the one trailer. I don't know if that's coming this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I keep getting, I keep forgetting which is coming out this year and which is coming out in 2016. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, in the meantime, uh, we got, um, there's plenty to watch. All the a lot of the new shows have started up. Oh, um, if you haven't seen Last Man on Earth, see that. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, uh, it's uh, Will Forte and Christian Shaw. Um, it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, there was another show that I started. Um, 
oh, there's a there's a show that's coming out on PBS, but only in Los Angeles. Sorry, everybody else. <laughs> um, but it's a show that ran for one series, one season in the UK, and it's called Mister. Oh God, I can't remember. It's Nick Frost and uh, Peter Serafinowicz, um, and I'm a big fan of Peter Serafinowicz. <laughs> uh, uh, in everything he's ever done and he shows up in these shows but Nick Frost uh, if you don't know was in uh, all the um, Shaun of the Dead and he Mm -hmm. you know he played the best friend in Shaun of the Dead and the other constable in Hot Fuzz Mm -hmm. and uh, what the 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 real straight laced guy in um, and World's End and uh, so this is a show with him and Peter Serafin and it's set in the 60s and it's basically kind of like a 60s sitcom, like a period 60s sitcom, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what it's called. It's Mr. S- Mr. Sloan, maybe Mr. Sloan. Yeah, I think I mean, it's Mr. Sloan. I'm sorry, I can't recommend anything because I'm just like all Star Wars all the time. Oh, right sure, now. sure, like, that, and that's that is fine. what's consuming me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, Kitty, thank you for coming on the podcast again. Uh, no plug your plug your stuff. Where can people find you? Okay, uh, you can find my graphic design stuff at kittybrowndesigns.com. Also on Twitter is Kitty Brown. I'm on Instagram as Kitty Brown Art. Um, yeah, Facebook is Kitty Brown. Pretty easy to find. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, great. Uh, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as Something2XP pretty much everywhere. Uh, Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog. And please listen to past episodes. Get the numbers up on WordPress. Email us at Something2XP at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.